0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Time for Talk podcast. I am your host Libby Smith. Today's episode we have another incredible guest on the podcast. I am so excited to be chatting to Catherine Cook. She is the chief executive of the Peter Pan Centre, which is an incredible charity that we have discussed loads in the episode, and I truly think the work that the Peter Pan Centre do are so incredible, and they really do care for all the children that are at the centre. It really resonates with my story with my little sister, who does have special needs, so When I first heard about the Centre, when I went to watch the finals of Miss Pageant Queen UK, I knew I just had to contact them and try and get them on the podcast. And the fact that they were so willing to get on the podcast truly meant a lot to me and I cannot wait to continue to support them in the future. And with all that said, here is the interview with Catherine.
1: It's well done. It is really important um, on a sort of personal, oh, I might have mentioned this when I was doing my speech at the pageant, but my son um, has Down syndrome and actually is non-verbal, completely nonverbal. Um, So that obviously gives us some challenges, but I mean, he's a, he's a wonderful boy and he communicates in a completely different way. And yeah. it's really good to be able to share that sort of knowledge and experience around the different ways Children communicate, and and how yeah. how versatile and adaptable everyone. Can...
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's um a sort of stigma behind if a child's nonverbal, people just kind of assume they can't communicate at all, and that's, that's what my right. sister. Like she is she is verbal, but um you can't have a conversation like a full conversation right. with her she can say a handful of words but yeah. you know she's she's intelligent in her own ways yes. she can communicate in very different ways and yeah. i understand exactly how she feels like if she's sad if she's happy and it's yeah, yeah.
1: brilliant does she does she sign what does she or does she just develop her own system um, um
0: yeah so it it's a mix of um, the words that she's kind of picked up and she does babble still she does have a tendency to babble and she'll go off in her own little corner and she'll kind of talk to herself and it's kind of that thing where we like myself and my parents are like do we think she like her babbling obviously it's babbling to us but is that maybe actual like words to her like is that she know what she's saying kind of thing
1: my son babbles as well. He's eight now. He babbles all the time. It's very difficult. You get the occasional bye bye, which is his one word for everything. Like if he wants to <laughs> stop doing what he's doing, or he wants to move and do a different activity, or he wants to leave the house, he wants to go in the bath, or whatever it is, his yeah. word is bye bye. But he babbles away constantly, um and it's I, I don't know what he means, but I think it makes perfect sense to him. And I'm hoping within that, uh, eventually, some more words will start to appear. um But in the meantime, what he does is tends to use hand over. Hand. so he moves you around or moves your hand you know oh. if he wants to go and do something or if he wants something to drink he'll take you to the fridge or if he wants to to play with a certain toy he'll take you over there if he wants an ipad he'll take you to that do you see what i mean that's how he does yeah it.
0: <clears throat> yeah my sister is exactly the same in that ah, sense.
1: lovely yeah so
0: yeah. um with obviously the um center so Obviously, when I first heard about it, yeah. um, I didn't know a lot. and But I was really happy to hear about it because where I live, there's, um, there's nothing really like it. Yes. Um, when we first found out about my sister and we were trying to get her some sort of support, there was absolutely nothing yeah. Yeah. that we could really do. So it, it was just a stress for us. But I loved yes. hearing that. You know it's like a little it seems like a little family and everyone yes. I, I remember i think i went on the website and i watched them um, there's like a little video on youtube yes. there and oh it was just so lovely
1: yeah you're absolutely right there is nothing like this available certainly on a nationwide basis certain pockets sort of regional pockets have a, a charity similar um they're all charitable organisations, so so we're based in Newcastle under Lyme, but we um, support children across Staffordshire, Stoke on Trent, and South Cheshire. Um, to be honest, we've had pe- people inquiring from further afield, such as Derbyshire or Shropshire, but it's it's too far. It's too yeah. far because we support children aged naught to five, as you know, with with complex disabilities, and it would just be too far. For them to travel um so, and like i said my own son um who i've just talked about eddie who has down syndrome before i ever worked for the charity he used to he used to attend so i used to bring him along every oh. week and um from the age of nine months um till he went to school um, and his last year there he used to attend twice a week. So we we run sessions. It's it's not daycare as such. Children come for yeah. sessions two and a half hours in the morning or afternoon. and but parents don't need to say, stay So it gives them some respite, which is really important because it's perhaps the only respite that they get or time for themselves um throughout the week. And they might use that time, they can go off site, or they can stay in the parents' room, or they might want to socialise with the other parents that they meet. Um while their child is in session yeah, it's good yeah. for families building that support network you know
0: yeah I definitely think obviously um I can only speak on behalf of being a sibling but yeah. I know for my parents when um my sister finally um she's in primary school now but she goes to a um a, a um a public um, primary school but there's a sort of like special care unit in it ah. and that's where she is yeah and it's been lovely for my parents to you know be able to talk to the parents of the other children in her class and they've been able to kind of build that kind of um, network of just having someone to talk to really.
1: Absolutely because it can be very lonely and and if you think of course that for some of our families um, you know let's be honest nobody really wants their child to come to the Peter Pan Centre you know when you have a child you don't think this is how how things are going to pan out. And, it, and for some families, um, particularly if they don't have anyone in their family with a disability or, or very, you know, inexperienced um, um, with disability, it can be a shock. Um, and some families do go through a short, short grieving process. So they'll be able to meet other families like your own um, and have the support of somewhere like Peter Pan who understand all this um you know it's absolutely invaluable i made friends from other families well while Eddie was in session at peter Pan, who i'm still friends with now you know um it's been absolutely amazing of course they all have their own experience as well and and yeah. and can offer advice and and strategies perhaps you know this has happened to me you know it might work for you that kind of thing so so the, the sort of social peer networking aspect is just as important for parents as it is for the children who come into yeah. the sessions because you know um, some of our children have very complex physical um, disabilities, which might mean that they can't access a mainstream nursery setting, or even might struggle to access social activities like soft play and, and things like that. Uh, the Peter Pan Centre gives them a chance to to make friends and have those experiences in in a building and in a setting that's completely adapted to their needs. Um, just like any other child you know they get to have those same yeah. experiences just like any other child and that's so important
0: yeah definitely i definitely agree it's so important that um just because they have possibly something that could maybe challenge them it's important yeah. that they get the same um childhood experience and then that will allow them to like flourish and have the best kind of start to life really
1: absolutely that that's that's what peter pan is all about in fact the, the very purpose of the centre is to give children with special needs the best start in life and their families the support that they deserve and I also think of it as um sort of laying the foundations you were just yeah. saying there that that you know what a difference it might have made if your sister had had access to a similar service at that early age yeah it so, yeah. families for the next step for school helps get children ready and parents ready for, for school exactly yeah because I think um, for my sister, I think
0: it was it was a good period of, of a few years of us getting like sent this place and this place, and there was no real yes. um, there was no real stability for her. She was just moving from school to school because uh, um, so I think w- when she was in reception age, I think we just put her straight into um, like the nearest kind of school we had, and yeah. I think she was there for about a year, but they just couldn't really the yeah. school. It, 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 it wasn't the school's fault they yeah. just kind of couldn't really they didn't know how to kind of teach her in the best way, they, they yes. couldn't really help her they didn't have a great understanding of the best way to help her so it was just a case of going from school to school but now she's finally been able to be in a school where she's like been able to make friends and keep the friends and she seems really happy in the school so it may have taken quite a while but it's, it's good that she now has some sort of stability
1: that's brilliant. And when, of course, this feeling stable and happy and learning um, improves so much, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, you, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. So uh, what a lot of people don't realise about Peter Pan is there's a huge amount of background work going on um, yeah. with some of the early years staff around um, helping families to view and choose schools and As your sort of listeners may well know, children with disabilities um, quite often need an education, health and care plan that documents the the support that they will need. So a lot of what we do is about inputting into that process and working with the schools to make sure that the support that those children need is in place for when they start. it's a challenging process because we all know that funding is difficult at the minute and, and yeah. that there are a lot of cuts to budgets. However, that's partly what we try to do, make sure that those children have as smooth a transition as possible and yeah. that the staff are ready um, when the child joins. Um, we probably think about, we, we don't probably think, we do think about 50% <laughs> of our children go to, to a mainstream setting yeah. and 50% move on to a special school. Yeah. Um, and that's how it tends to work at peter pan and it's those mainstream settings that, that quite often need that bit of extra help like you've just said and through yeah. of their own that perhaps um ready to support a child with a condition that they've got no experience from so we just yeah to help them understand what extra help that child might need
0: oh that's incredible so could you kind of give myself and my listeners what is a typical day-to-day like at the center what kind yeah. of how does it run
1: so we run two sessions a day um children and their parents arrive at uh half past nine in the morning and then they would stay till 12 and then a second session runs from quarter to one to quarter past three um children obviously stay so parents will drop off and we'll have that handover where yeah. they'll have that chance to explain, you know, how things are with their child, if there's anything we need to know, if they've been unwell, or if there's been any developments, you know, in their learning and behaviour yeah. and so on. So we're aware of that. Then they'll join us um, for their session. Now, children are supported either on a one-to-one or a one-to-two care ratio. It really does depend on their need. Mm. Uh, sessions are grouped by need rather than age, Um so all the children have would have similar needs in that session that's important for their learning and development and it does the sessions do very much follow a sort of nursery program if you like so we might start with a welcome song
0: uh, get everyone sitting in a
1: circle and do a welcome song uh, led by the staff Uh, staff all do makaton signing or they might use um, PEX as well, which is picture exchange to help support communication, uh, depending on the needs of the child. So after the welcome song, there might be some target work. They might work whatever that target might be, may be um, from turn taking to building a tower out of blocks, all those sorts of things. Our sessions do follow the early years foundation stage. Yeah, so that's what we're trying to do, help children with their own in them. And then there might be some free play. The centre has um, uh, quite a big outdoor space, sensory garden. We also have a sensory room that the children love with an interactive uh, floor. So the, there's a projector in the ceiling that that projects um, images onto the floor, bit like a giant iPad, if you like. So the oh, children has and images and, and all that kind of stuff that the children can interact with is really popular, um, as well as all the usual sensory room equipment. And then they'll all get back together into a group for snack time. And snack time, because we run s- sessions, isn't really about um, having something to eat. In as much it's as about learning how to eat. Yeah. So in of course children copy children, don't they? So by getting yeah. together um, and seeing each other eat, they might might encourage them to learn how to do so. so some of our children do struggle um, with eating. You know, it can take a child with special needs much longer to learn something than it can a, a typical child. So Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and by getting together in that group session, um, you've obviously they're encouraging each other and, and practising those skills, you know, how to use a spoon, how to drink from a cup, all that kind of stuff, stuff that other perhaps children and families might take for granted as, as something that, you know, your child just learns, you know, our yeah. children need that little bit of extra help to do that. And then there might be small play or targets, um, messy play. The children love messy play. There's always tough trays <laughs> out with uh, shaving foam and custard, oh. <laughs> and there's Play Doh everywhere, and you know, all that kind of stuff going that. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get back together at the end of the session for, for circle time and to sing a goodbye song. And then oh, parents I love that. And collect and then we'll have that handover. And at that point, we will explain to the parents what's happened during the session and, and what the child's been working on. And we can have those conversations. Say if a child is learning how to feed from a from a spoon, um the the key workers of the child will help um mum or dad um, understand how that's going so that they can practice the same skills at home.
0: Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I, de- I definitely, um, from what you've said there, I can already tell that the centre is very, even though it's um, focused on like learning and obviously helping the children, it's making it fun. And yes. that's the most important part.
1: Yes, absolutely. It, it's that it's, it's play therapy, isn't it? It's specialist play ther- therapy that's designed to follow the earliest foundation stage and hopefully lead to some of those those are out- outcomes for children so yeah it's a really really fun place i'm quite often so i don't work directly with the children in my role yeah. um but i'm quite often sitting in the office and i can hear all the singing and the laughter or the parachute will be out you know those parachutes where you stand in a circle and you oh yeah and you can have like um soft play balls on it and you can just hear all the woo the way the children are laughing and shouting or sometimes we have a blow up bouncy castle like a mini one in the centre the children love that oh wow lots lots of exciting noises coming from the nursery room that day
0: (laughs) oh I bet so um pardon me um what is your exact role then like what do you do then
1: yeah, so I'm 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 the chief executive, which basically means I'm responsible for running the organisation. So I report into a board of trustees who are responsible f- for the governance of the charity. Um so as chief executive, I might work with the centre manager who is responsible for the early years staff and the actual service mm-hmm. delivery um on planning um and the sort of future direction of the of the service delivery. Um, for example, we're looking at our family support programme at the minute and what what more we can do to help families on the waiting list because we do have a waiting list for places um because we're you know in, in such demand and like i said right at the yeah. beginning there's nowhere else that offers the same service that we do so we're looking at that at the moment um, but a lot of my job is around funding and fundraising and and suppliers and making sure that the building is you know safe and got all the equipment um that we need um I also do all the HR and and I've got an assistant Joe. we work together on uh, communications and newsletters and social media and all that kind of stuff so there's sort of two of us doing everything that isn't related to the children it's a very varied and busy job but it's it's wonderful I absolutely love it
0: oh yeah I can definitely imagine it is very worthwhile so in terms of um funding do you rely solely on um like the charities and like like kind of um like donation kind of thing
1: Pretty much, yes, pretty much. We're almost entirely reliant on fundraising. We are lucky to get um, support from some funders like Children in Need. Oh, wow. Um, So Children in Need actually pay for two members of the early years team. Um, And there are a lot of grant funders out there who support um, charities that look after disabled children and disabled adults. And because we're such an essential, and particularly now, well, we've always been essential. We're actually 52 years old. I haven't talked about the history, but we actually started as a play group uh, locally. And and over the years, they have developed into the specialist development centre. That we are today um because there is no one else that does what we do um grant funders are very very supportive of us so about half of our income perhaps just over that comes from grant funding the rest comes from local fundraising um local businesses um community groups and individuals who might do things like last year we had five people run the london virtual marathon for us and one person oh, that's lovely. London marathon for us and between them they raised about, ooh, about eight thousand pounds so that's yeah, incredible we, we are we're very very fortunate to have some some great support it's it's still challenging to raise all that money we need every year um but as I was just saying you know we're never more needed the, the problem with the pandemic for children with disabilities is that a lot of the children who come to us may have had their other avenues of support reduced or completely cut so for example yeah um speech going back to communication speech and language therapists um weren't able to visit children in their homes um, yeah that
0: um that happened with my sister because um, we we um Suzanne who is my sister's speech therapist we, um she's private because we, um, we weren't getting enough um, consistency yes. with the government-provided speech therapist, yes. so we had to go private. And obviously the visits had to stop and yeah. Lexi just kind of, she kind of fell out of her, you know, schedule where she was kind of making progress. So yeah, I can imagine lockdown was just like an awful time.
1: Uh, absolutely. So you're quite right. So the children who do get speech and language therapy therapy uh, from a government therapist, um, may only now get it before lockdown, once a term. I know you were just saying about going private. I think a lot of families end up doing that. Yeah. Which is terrible, really, when you think about it, because it is a statutory service. But, yeah, if our children were only receiving it once a term, which quite honestly isn't enough, because children with special needs need more repetition, Um, and need more input than other children to to learn and develop. Um, But if they were only seeing them once a term and now they're only seeing them once a term via Zoom or not at all, you can imagine that without us, some of these children wouldn't have had any help whatsoever. Um, That's why we're basically never more needed and um, um, our waiting list is growing because more and more children need our help because we are now seeing children who have perhaps been missed because of the pandemic, but yeah. because other services perhaps haven't been able to to visit in the way they would have done before, um, and this is not unique to our area; it's sort of nationwide. Um, yeah, like you may well know.
0: Yeah, it definitely is um, a nationwide issue. And one of the final things I just wanted to touch on is, so from your kind of point of view, what is the most rewarding thing about the centre? Like, what is one of the most um, rewarding things about being involved in the Peter Pan Centre?
1: For me, it's because before I ever worked there, um, as I've said, my son Eddie used to attend and Peter Pan was a lifeline for us. Um, you know I didn't know anything about disabled children I didn't know how best to help him learn and thrive they basically held my hand throughout the four years before he went to school they helped me find a school place for him and that whole transition worked really well they helped me learn how to teach him in the home and you know as I was explaining before they helped me meet new families and make friends for life and and I never wanted to leave. (laughs) Actually, when Eddie (laughs) went on to school, he was ready, but I didn't want to leave. (laughs) Um, I'd had such a supportive, wonderful time um, being cared for by Peter Pan. Um, so to come back, first of all, as fundraiser, that's how I returned two years later. And now yeah. to be in this position to help move the charity forwards, to help more families like mine is an absolute joy. It, it's not a job to me. It's a way of life. And I absolutely love it. And I'm so proud and privileged to to be able to lead this charity and help more families like mine.
0: Oh, that is incredible. And yeah, everything you said about the centre is just incredible Um, I honestly think it just seems like again like such a it seems like a really close family and it seems like everyone truly does care about the children there which is so important so if any of my listeners are perhaps wanting to get in contact with the centre what is the best way to do that?
1: It's probably best if you take a look at our website, which is www.thepeterpancenter.co.uk uh, All our information is on there about more about what we do and some stories about some of the children that we've helped and also information about fundraisings there. Um, we are also on social media. We're most active, um, if I'm honest, on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, our Facebook handle is at Peter Pan Centre. Um, we're quite active on there so that's the best way to find out a bit more about us or and of course you can always give us a ring our numbers on the website
0: well that sounds incredible and yeah so if anyone is listening who would like to get in touch then please do all those steps and yeah thank you again so much for agreeing to do the podcast and for speaking to
1: me today Oh, I've loved it. Thanks Libby. What, what a joy. I've had such a wonderful time. And thank Oh great, you. I'm glad. Oh no, I have i really enjoyed it. And if you ever want me to come back, just let me know.
0: <laughs> oh yes, of course, definitely. I had the best time talking to Catherine all about her own personal story with her son and obviously all the incredible work that the Peter Pan Centre does. Thank you all so much for listening and continuing to support the podcast. It truly means so much. If you would like to stay up to date on all the latest news surrounding Time for Talk, the podcast itself and any future campaigns we have going on, then feel free to follow us on Instagram at Time for Talk podcast. to it and we will see you in the next episode.